0: like we are live let's check off. all right perfect so welcome hey thanks for tuning in let's see uh, so uh, it's very fascinating uh going over ancient uh manuscripts of the bible right so and some of them, okay, so prior to printed work, right, where we can just copy and upload it onto the internet, right, uh, all of the manuscripts are handwritten. Therefore, uh, they're different. <laughs> and so uh, each, each uh, much like the, the, the 3,000 different versions of the Bible today, right, uh, there, there are some differences, and interestingly enough, I was in church, and this kind, sweet lady, uh, obviously rich in the spirit, she, she, uh, she asks me, or I ask her. I said, "Hey, that's a very nice Bible you have. What, what version is it, right?" And she says, "Oh, New King James." I say, "Oh, that's pretty good. That's a pretty good version." And uh, she says, "Well." what version is yours and i said well oh this one is the uh, 1611 king james version of the bible it still has the apocrypha in it right Uh, prior to uh, more modern 1650-ish period right catholic church decided they wanted or People, people running a church who had control over the printing presses, whatever, they decided they wanted to edit the Bible. And so they took out 14 books, right? I believe that the books uh, that were removed, right, so they are adult books. Maccabees is extremely graphic. It's not something you'd really want your kids reading. So therefore, by right. Uh, taking the books out and making the Bible G-rated, so to speak, right? No or much less graphic bloody scenes, right? You increase the audience. You increase the popularity, right? And see, that is what these gentlemen were going for, right? And so it's... uh, And so in, in the ancient manuscripts it's not a popularity contest. You want accurate theology that will produce a connection with God, right? Uh, If you think, right, so some translations, each of the 3,000 different translations of the Bible, right, if they have even a a mediocre amount of uh, difference within them, you're practicing a different faith. And, And so... I'm translating Ephesians uh, 2.5, and it's, you know, this is the, by grace you're saved, right? And interestingly enough, the problem with the, the sentence, by grace you were saved, is, or by grace you are saved, you're saved, right? This is, uh, it contradicts Jesus Christ, unfortunately. So this is going to be, it's going to be another mistranslation video. Uh, what I'm noticing is, in, uh, in ancient manuscripts of the Bible, in this verse, uh, sometimes there is uh, a footnote or a little, and I was thinking of sharing this because I did take a screenshot of it, and I, you have to zoom in because it's pretty small, and uh, you can't really tell if it is the author, right, the, the actual owner of the Bible who, who made a, a, a note of his own or uh or if it is uh uh actual written you know content of the bible but it does say that uh a percentage right a percentage of them will be saved and so right when you see people right they're willing to remove 14 books out of the bible to make it sound better right and Interestingly enough, right, so uh, these 14 books that were removed, some of them involve warfare. They involve warfare, things that uh, people, general population, congregations in times of peace, because, right, in times of war, I I can't imagine church attendance is booming, you know? And so in the times of peace, right, you don't really want them reading that. They say, oh, this is too graphic for me and my family. So... The church came up with the idea, hey, let's tear it out, right? But here's the problem with that, right? Uh, I believe, right, the Bible is meant to, it's meant for adults, right? And you read, you know, you should definitely read it to your kids, the, the verses uh, that are appropriate for them, right? But Maccabees is, is R-rated, right? It's not really appropriate for kids without a little maybe uh, censoring about certain parts, right? But Maccabees is describing warfare, right? And so God permits warfare. Therefore, teaching us, teaching your population that God permits warfare might be a good idea if indeed you may end up fighting a war, right? Not, oh, I can just sit here and I can twiddle my thumbs because God will protect me. Well, if you remove if you remove uh, much of some of the Bible, right, well then maybe you can make the Bible say that, but a complete Bible will indeed not say that, right? And so what you are doing is you are ripping wisdom that God intended for the uh, general population, the earth's population, right, out of the Bible and hoping, right, uh, it will still produce its full effectiveness right and so this is the thing right maybe you tear one page out of the bible and and you're okay right maybe you tear genesis okay well in the beginning well we don't really need to know that too much that's not going to be the most useful i'm not suggesting uh anyone should ever do this but i'm suggesting right maybe a page that wouldn't damage us uh too much would be in the beginning right and so hey oh maybe maybe another page and another page, and another page, until at some point the Bible loses its uh, effectiveness, all of it, right? What a, you know, if you tear out the commandments on love, well, then you have a you have a book on how to wage war, right? And so, understanding right, it is meant to be a complete message, right? It is not uh, going to yield bad fruit in your life or some very, very heavy burden on your life. Actually, it sets you free. The message contained within the Bible will set you free. It breaks the chains. God is the chain breaker. God is the way maker, right? Positive things. But if you think, right, and here's the thing, right? Up until maybe five, five years ago, you say, oh, well, I think Maccabees should have been left in the Bible. It's it's, uh, it talks about warfare and you, you talk to somebody and here's the thing, a majority, a good, a good amount of people at least would say, oh, well, war has been, you know, we don't fight war anymore. That doesn't, that doesn't happen. It's not real. But now you look over at Ukraine and you say, oh, actually, uh, God does permit war, right? And so while while mankind likes to believe that we're making these great leaps towards uh, social advancement, cultural advancement, right? The core nature of man still remains the same. And the core nature of man is what the Bible is talking about when it says, deny yourselves. The flesh is weak, right? Temptation is out there. Sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. Interestingly enough, the Bible suggests that sin is capable of desiring to have you. It wants you. And that kind of freaks me out in some ways. But but it is fascinating to understand and so I I will be going over that omitted verse it's very interesting I did notice that there is another admitted omitted verse I'm in the process of translating uh, I, I like to go over them quite a few times I think I went over the book of first John seven times in total and before uh, currently the book of first John is uh, well, it's the only one that I'm really comfortable saying that it's pretty pretty good. It's in, fi- I would say, final draft state. And I would say the rest of the Disciples of Christ books are in draft or draft state, right? They are not, uh, not ready for production and indeed, right, uh, like I, it, it will probably take me a long, long time. To finish the Bible. I think I've been working on it for a year or two now, and I'm about seven books in, which is about 200 pages of a 1,300-page book. So we'll see. It's, it's definitely a, a lifelong, uh, at least 10 years, right? It'll take me at least 10 years to do it. And uh, so it is worth the time investment right there is an incredible amount of wisdom in the bible if you seek it and apply it to your life but that involves right seeking it and applying it to your life right not one without the other right like i was saying the first the apostle john suggested first john that we should not not uh only love in words or tongue right but in action. We are called to be a church of action. And so here is one argument, right? For against just really delving in too deeply into the Bible, right? After one read, after two reads, right? Well, you're supposed to put it into action. It's not reading the Bible that will generate righteousness. Righteousness equals salvation. If you can reach the state of righteousness, You will be saved by God. Righteousness meaning the ways walking, living in a a way pleasing to the Lord God of Israel. Living in God's love. God says, "I'm, I'm to be a loving person. Therefore, every day I wake up, I focus on love. I make sure that I stay rooted in love. And love. Is an, empower, is an incredibly powerful thing to take with you as you go throughout your life. But know that it is love that wants a family, your children, people, your friends, to have a full picture of reality. Not suggesting, oh, uh, if Prince Charming is going to come along and he's going to pick you up. And he's gonna marry you you can trust every male no not suggesting to your children that God says he's gonna do it all for you you don't have to worry about anything now God Jesus Christ does say don't worry but he doesn't say he's gonna do it for you and he doesn't say don't plan Christ does not say don't plan Christ does not say don't set goals Christ does not say don't strive in fact, Christ is striving, right? He is out working hard. He's out uh, practicing his craft. He's out preaching all the time. He's out leading uh, a vast amount of people to God, right? He's working hard for God. So when you see translations of "don't strive," well, it's more. It's "don't strive" is not accurate. It's more like work in a content happy loving state right while you walk forward while you're working hard in your life interestingly enough the fourth commandment being work hard right and so therefore that refutes the teaching do not strive uh understanding that right keeping this loving state this joyous state right it's one, yet, yet another one of the keys found in the Bible to producing a happy life, Content, contentment, inner contentment, saying I'm going to be happy now. God says I'm supposed to be the light of the world, so I'm going to choose to do what it takes to become light instead of darkness. I'm going to choose to keep the bad thoughts out, to keep the negative thoughts out, to please my mind, to gain self-discipline, to gain prudence. Over myself, so that I can reach that point of exaltation, that tumultuous storm, that raging storm where the oceans are raging and you're in the boat. But you've got Jesus there and he's calling you out on the water. And since you've gained that self discipline, that righteousness, that faith, you are able to step out on the water. And receive the exaltation and immortality that lies waiting in God's hands for those who will come and pick it up. Take it up. Take up your cross. Take up your immortality, and you will live. But unfortunately, right, uh, and and I have been going over Ephesians two five <laughs> for about three hours. Uh, So, so far, right, and (laughs) three hours on the second pass over the the translating, so I do not, uh, I don't just, when it comes to major theologies, I want to make sure that I get them right, but when you think about Christ saying, not all who call to me, Lord, Lord, enter the kingdom of heaven, not all who pray to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, and then Paul says, by grace you're saved, We have a conflict in teachers and uh, when it comes to a conflict in teachers, you must always divert back to who you serve. And this is an incredibly important teaching to take with you through your life. Who do you serve in the Bible? Is it King David? Is it Abraham? Are Are you a... Servant of Abraham or David? No. Christian means that we are of Christ. We are covered in red. We worship the one true living God. We serve God. And so Christ being the Messiah, according to the Bible, the living word, according to the Bible, right? Christ's words are indeed sovereign over the apostles, i.e., if the in some some uh, theoretical situation the Apostle Paul and Jesus Christ were arguing, well you'd know you'd know who you'd listen to, and you would immediately know who was right, because you, as a Christian of Christ, have chosen Christ already. A Paulite, maybe that's some religion out there. There's a lot of them out there. But um, it is not Paul that we serve. It is not Paul that uh, we consider his word sovereign. It is Christ and Christ alone. No man come to the Father but by me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? This is the boast that Christ makes. This is why the apostles tell Jesus Christ that he has life-giving word. Life-giving word. Life-giving word. word That when applied to your life, it will produce immortality. It will produce the exaltation that God is offering. That God is offering. But Christ does not say, by grace you're saved. Christ says, not all who pray to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So, he says, "Only, only those who do the will of my Father, i.e., right." And interestingly enough, Paul, First uh, John, um, corresponds in union with Christ, right? But lo and behold, out of so many men getting their hands on the Bible, uh, you can imagine how it works. Okay, let's say I, being a man rich in sin. Get my hands on the Bible, and I'm I'm realizing in the translation, that it's not looking so so good for for my future, right now. This is partially because people don't fully grasp the full extent of the love and forgiveness of God, right? Uh, I've heard I've heard when I preach, oh, not all sins forgiven, right? God can choose to. To forgive sin that that's a frightening teaching but it is the real it is the only accurate teaching according to christ right you cannot say uh christ you know he says well hell exists he says uh, better to cut off one cut off your right hand than than have your whole body thrown into hell and so if hell exists right then indeed right not all sins forgiven Otherwise, right, and you'll, and you can go down the theological debate road where, oh, well, what if you repent, this, that, the other, but the end all and be all is, is, is that if hell exists, then it has a purpose. It's not there just sitting there doing nothing, right? But it's not a teaching that's meant to bring fear or worry. In fact, it might even cause you, uh, to press in to t- trust in God even more. It might cause you to fully grasp the, the incredible love that God has for us as his children, right? If you are a parent, if you, if you think about what it might take for you to walk away or distance yourself from one of your own children, it's an incredible, it would have to be something insane. Right, it would have to be some horrific event, right? Something, and that is not even on the level of God's forgiveness with us. It's not even on the level of God's love for us. God loves us so much, He's willing to forgive an incredible amount of sin. And what 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 does the Bible suggest? Right? Well, it suggested what, what does the Bible suggest that God does not forgive? Well, it says um, that sl- slay thee not the innocent and the righteous. Don't kill people, right? This is the sort of sin that is not really <laughs> looked favorably upon by God, right? This is the, These are the realms of evil. So the teaching should not be really bringing fear, but you have to really get your theology within yourself, right? You have to get that God, God's love is incredible and understand God's, the fullness of God's love, the fullness of God's grace and mercy in order so that you have an accurate understanding that there's not fear. God is not a God of fear, right? The Bible says fear God. That doesn't mean uh, when we're walking in alignment with God, He's going to randomly attack us because he's someone to be feared. No, that's not how God works. God is good. He is gracious. He is patient. He's kind. He's long-suffering. He's slow to anger, right? Quick to forgive. Quick to welcome us home. He wants to teach us. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us out of this abundant love, supra-abundant love. But it's not... Do anything you want, all sins forgiven, right? God sometimes, if you look at the offering of uh, Cain and Abel, Cain brings an offering, right? And this is how the ancient Israelites would, theoretic they were they were theorizing that this would forgive sin. They were instructed that by sacrificing animals, right, they could make amends with God, right? But Cain's offering. When he tried to make his offering to God was rejected. God said, You didn't make that offering out of a good heart, right? And this is God's an example of God's sovereign choice. It's not I offer something, God has to accept it. It's I get myself right, just as Christ says, before you make your offering at the temple, go and make it, go make go and make it right with your brother, and then make your offering. Right. And so understanding, right, God's will is sovereign, God's ways. He is the way, the truth, and the life, right? He is the head of all existence, the alpha and the omega, right? But understanding just how loving, just how incredibly forgiving, patient, you know, this is what is so attractive about God. It's... To inspire someone, you have to be inspiring. You're, it's not very inspiring sitting on your couch uh, and being cruel to everyone who passes by, right? And so God is understanding that God is extremely inspiring. Uh, when you begin to study the ways of God, you will run towards the ways of God. When you see how effective and Well, when you see how effective God's ways are, you will apply them to your life. You will learn from God and keep asking for more. You will be thirsty for the living water that God has to offer. Because, right, when you practice these ways, you will see, you'll read the the verse or you'll hear a word from God, you'll start practicing it and it'll start opening doors It'll start moving mountains in your life. This is what God is offering. This is what God has in his hand, waiting to give it, to bless freely, to give it freely. Salvation is a free gift, i.e. salvation, the road of righteousness that must be chosen by mankind to be walked. But it is a choice that you have to make, not Not, uh, you don't have to do anything to be Christian. That may sound nice, but just like uh, Prince Charming or uh, your, your fairy tale princess, you might be waiting a long time if you wait for the fairy tale, right? You will be waiting a long time if you wait for the fairy tale, because the fairy tale, by definition, is a fairy tale. It's something that's Just a little better than truth. Fantasy. A dragon swoops down and saves you. Okay, well, that's not not biblical, right? What God is offering is incredible. It's reality, right? It's divine reality, right? And understanding this, is extremely important, right? We're not pretending that God's saying that he's going to take care of everything in our life. We're not pretending that God says, don't go to school, I'll teach you everything. No, that's not what God says. The Bible says, seek wisdom, get knowledge. Bible says, God loves us, right? But love implies that when we are stepping out of the realms of what is good for us there will be discipline right Uh, love is not indifference in fact it's far love is far from indifference love is willing to work love is willing to build love is willing to walk with them until they can walk on their own right so understanding right that wisdom and knowledge are not something to be feared right we don't, as Christians, right, we're not pursuing every kind of wisdom or knowledge, right? But but that doesn't mean, right, we, we don't study or build, right? Make straight the way, make straight the path for the living God, right? Understanding these things, these core concepts of Christianity, right? We respect God. We love God. We have a certain amount of fear for God knowing that. That we're not trying to sin because we can see what happens to people who do sin, right? And that is wisdom. It doesn't mean that we're engaging in a nonsensical teachings, right? Believing anything that we hear, right? That wouldn't be wise. It wouldn't be wisdom. It wouldn't be knowledge. It wouldn't be what God instructed. And when Christ saw how many people were being led away by these false teachings. Oh, and yes, this is still happening today. Uh, if you want to watch a documentary, it's I think it's called Be Sweet and Pray, or Keep Sweet and Pray. It's a documentary on this uh, Mormon society that uh, got broken up because they were uh, essentially right The original priest, he wasn't such a bad guy, supposedly. And then the next guy came along. And the next guy was, he was totally corrupt. And he started using the power that was given to him for pure evil. And so the people had placed all their faith in this man, thinking, oh, he's a prophet. But indeed, he was no prophet at all. right, And so... This is what Christ is talking about. Christ did not make the parable of the good and bad fruit because all fruit was good. Christ made the parable of good and bad fruit because he, he knew some fruit was bad that was being taught in churches. And he wanted his flock to be protected so that when they walked into a church, they would not just turn off their wisdom and knowledge, turn off their the mind that God has given them turn off their spirit that God has given them and just obey. No, that would be a mindless slave. And obviously that is not what God wanted since we were gifted with free will itself. And so understanding, right, Christ says, you will know them by their fruit, right? You can start applying this to many doctrines to refute them and keep them out of your life. To many thought processes. For example, how much does a Christian think about God? Does a Christian just sit on their bed their whole life? Well, no, right? The apostle John says, let's not only practice our religion in tongue and word, but by action and deeds, right? By truth and deeds, right? So, Action implies that we are a faith of action. We are a religion of action. We are a people of action. You cannot be the light of the world unless you are, one, being a light, and two, being out in the world. Right? And so this is the calling of Christians. It is a good calling. It is an extremely beneficial calling. It is healthy for your spirit, mind, body, actions, and words. It is Beneficial to your entire life. It will benefit your entire life and every single person who you come into contact with. Absolutely every single person you come in contact with will be benefited by the spirit of the one true living God. Will be benefited by your Christian ways. That is the power that God is offering. It is dominion. It is a rulership, a lordship. It is you shall rule many nations, but none shall rule you. It is understanding. It is wisdom. It is hard work. It's not just endlessly thinking about one theology after another as you sit on your bed it is not just reading our Bibles over and over and over again until uh, we've wasted away and accomplished nothing in our lives but the most important part right is first getting that spiritual connection with God to bringing love into your faith you must have love to be Christian without without love the love of Jesus Christ 90% of the faith it's not going to work right this is why christ is suggested to be the keystone right is the translation cornerstone correct well a table having four corners or a house having four corners a cornerstone there's four of them if you take one out the house still stands so that that mistranslation cornerstone is inaccurate a keystone is the epicenter piece between two covenants. It holds the covenants together. It holds the faith together. It holds all existence together. It is God. And if you pull that love out, everything collapses. That is a keystone. That is Jesus Christ. Thirdly, right, you should read your Bible, absolutely. Uh, Disciples of Christ is in the works. Uh, King James is pretty dang good. But with the King James, you have to make sure not to translate the word shall in some fantastical, (laughs) idealistic, I wish it was this way, so that's the way I'm going to translate it. Otherwise, uh, you know, it won't produce accurate uh, theology and even the King James has some mistranslations in there, and right some verses that are very easily uh, preached to mean something much better than they they are. By grace you are saved, right? Well, does that mean you're you're saved instantaneously, which contradicts with Christ? Or does that mean God saved you? God made a way to save you out of his goodness, out of his good nature, right? So understanding this is important, right? And I'm I'm working uh, very, very hard to get get these uh, accurate theology out there because accurate theology will produce... Accurate theology is life-giving word. That is what accurate theology is. It is the ways of righteousness. If walked, you will inherit eternal life. If walked, you will see God. Right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That is Jesus Christ. Righteousness is an extremely powerful state, extremely beneficial state. But it does take some study, right? It, you have to understand what God is, What what is going to bring God happiness and what God says, hey, I, that's not on my table. You can't do that here, you know, and there are rules, but if you think it's a small table, no, that's not, that's not true. It's a narrow road, but on that road, there is a great number of things and there is an incredible, the best life possible for each and every one of us is along that road with God in the service of God. So right God love your Bible and practicing the faith. If you just love God, well you have to you have to really grasp the fullness of the word love to make that work. But if it's just like a, oh, I love God on Sunday sort of thing, that's not going to cut it, right? It's a dedication to God. It's a, I would rather die than break my covenant. I would rather, things like that. A serious commitment to God. An unwillingness to step outside of your covenant because your covenant to God is sacred. It's a holy thing. It is God that makes us holy and since God is holy, we too shall be holy. Right, apply the ways of the Bible, apply the red letters, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Apply the words of Christ Jesus to your life and you will live. And you will have an awesome life, right? Christ says to follow the whole Bible, Do not believe that I've come to end the law of the prophets. Not come to end them, but to complete them. I.e. Christ is the completion of the law. Understanding this is very important when you're applying the Bible to your life to reach the place that I'm speaking about. right? And it will take faith and it will take commitment, but the life that you will be rewarded with, There is no equal in all existence, nor has there ever been an equal to a life lived with God, a life walked with God. The stories of the Bible, when Peter steps out on the water and walks on the water with Christ, when the Red Seas heave up, they're not just stories. And when you see them, when you see miracles, the miracles of God happen in your life, when you see the divine realms tangibly and your mind is blown right well that's what god's offering it's an incredible life there is no equal to it i guarantee you guys anyways i think that is it for the day thanks so much for tuning in blessings on you all and have a great rest of your day